Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. This is our first episode of 2022. The Magic appear to have gotten through all of the COVID-19 positive tests picked up by the roster and coaching staff. It doesn't look like we'll have any more hardship exemption signings. There's still no sign of Jonathan Isaac or Markel Fultz returning. You know, Isaac's been last played over 18 months ago, and Markel Fultz last played over a year ago, and there's still no sign of when we might see them on the on the floor. So, yeah, that's that's not uh, it's not ideal right now. The Magic did win four out of six games recently, which was by far our best stretch of the season by far. Uh, before being bludgeoned at home this past weekend by Memphis and Boston. We're 12-43, and 43, still the worst record in the league, but we, uh, we have the same amount of wins as Detroit, so the tank cushion is down to one game at the moment. And then you have Houston, OKC, and now Indiana and likely Portland in on the tanking path, so there's, there's tank competition going on. Waltham may and likely will make some deals with the trade deadline a few days away, and there's quite a few decisions to be made on who stays and who goes. So we're going to discuss that, and we're also going to play the uh, the trade machine game. Let's go. Hardaway, straight down the lane, the power jam. Point guard on the 7 6 guy. Here's Lewis turning and he shoots. Yes! With four and one Here's Turkaloo for the win. All right, so we haven't done one of these in a while, Penny. Uh, if you just listened into the intro, you'll realize that we went with uh, one of our alternate intros, and that's because Spotify dinged me and slapped my hands. So we're going away from J Rock's win song, his loss. I, I was I wanted to change the song anyway, so it, it's fine. We'll we'll ride with our our alternate intro and, until somebody else gets mad or or, or if, unless we find something better. But uh, let's do a quick roster update since the last time we did this because. We dropped an episode before Christmas when the COVID-19 stuff was literally just picking up and it'd been a, it was like a brutal month stretch almost where guys were and broadcasters and coaches were, were out of action and missing due to COVID-19. Uh, so, but quick roster update. So we had all these hardship signings, Hassani Gravit, Freddie Gillespie, Tim Frazier, Aline Ford, BJ Johnson, all of them came and went, uh, we made a two-way switch, so we brought in Admiral Schofield initially on a hardship signing, and we waived Michael Mulder, Michael Mulder and gave his two-way uh, contract to Schofield. Uh, Penny, do you miss any of these guys, any of these hardship guys? Um, I, it was fun to watch uh, Hassani Grava and for him to get the mostly magic podcast interview with Jake Chapman and things of that nature. Uh, but by and large, no. Yeah. I think like if I had to give the two way, it would not have been to Schofield. Um, it would have been either to Hassani or Freddie Gillespie. I like Freddie Gillespie. He was actually better than Mo Bamba. And it's funny. Cause ever since then, like, even though Freddie left, like Mo Wagner has been, Mo Wagner and Rolo have been severely outplaying Mo for the most part. Uh, and 
it's just interesting. I, I really would have wanted to give the spot to Freddie. That, that that's where I would have been at. But you know, Schofield helps us lose, so I can see why we gave him the two way. Um, not that Mulder was doing much better, but I guess from an age range, like Schofield is younger than Mulder. I think Mulder was like 26, 27. Uh, Schofield's younger. So I get it. He's got, he brings the effort. He body wise, he, he can, he can potentially play both ways, but he's, he's not that great. That's, that's my viewpoint on Schofield right now. Um, let's see. Franz Bogner won December player of the month or a rookie player of the month. Uh, he was the eighth magic player ever to win a player of the month award. The last one being RJ Hampton, which people forget RJ won it in that short, uh, May of last year, 2021. So, but Franz is, is one of like six players in the entire NBA to have played and started every game this season, which I don't know about you, Penny, but if it, considering what, what's going, been going on with COVID-19 and like Franz, rooms with his butt you know stays in the same house as his brother mo wagner mo got COVID 19 franz somehow avoided it and for franz to be in his rookie season to have played every single game and start every game you know knock on wood uh you know it's it's really impressive and i i do think look evan mobley is like is a favorite right now to win rookie of the year but i would not not with franz's stats and his his ability to play a just play every game so far, I would, I would keep him top three in rookie of the year. I don't know about you. Well, yeah, I think, uh, especially in light of the circumstances of this season, it's been, uh, an accomplishment to be, uh, to play in every game to this point. And hopefully that can, he's not going to get a ton of rest over all-star, uh, weekend. No, nope. uh, we'll talk uh, about that in a second. Yeah, but yeah, so, he, he's but not. Agreed. I think, uh, we're, you know, uh, at least we're going to get one person uh, by all accounts on the, uh, you know, first team all rookies. Yeah. He seems like a, a lock um, at this point. So, and he's been fighting through the rookie wall. Like there's been a few weeks here and there over the course of his rookie season where it looks like he's hit a bit of a rookie wall and then he'll just kind of, he'll find like another gear. So that, that kid's good. Again, we're both ro- happy that we're wrong about yeah. him. I will say though, I do deserve credit for being right about giddy uh who else kaminga moody and uh, cam thomas i've been right about all those guys so far so you can hate me for the fraud stuff uh and then you can potentially hate me for the Suggs pick but jalen is another topic here shortly but um all right uh let's see jeff weltman john hammond they both got extended through 2025 2026 you know, they've drafted Isaac Bamba, you know, recently, obviously Cole Anthony, Suggs and Franz. I'm not even going to say should they've been extended or not, Penny, but were you surprised it took this long for them to even announce it? Uh, it was a bit of a shock, I guess. But uh, yeah, I, I'd say so. Because look, whether you agree with it or not, like we're in the middle of whatever this plan is for them. And for better or worse, we, we got to write it out now. And and most Magic fans seem to be really happy with what uh, Jeff and John have done. I, you know, we'll we'll see. You you still got to get that that number one star somehow, be it through a draft, be it through a trade, be it through free agency. But the Magic don't have that yet, you know. And how how much longer uh, does Cole Anthony's slump continue to last? To where you take him out of the win column when you when you're tracking 
uh, hits and misses for, for their draft record over the last few years. I mean, it'd have to be like the rest of the season at this point. Like he was so good. Cole was so good. The first two, two and a half months of the season. Like I, I, I think that garnered a lot of goodwill for well, Jeff. But because look, if you look at last season, again, none of these rookies had a summer league or a training camp, really. Like they had a very abbreviated training camp and preseason. They just got thrown into the fire. Cole struggled out of the gate. And then he struggled more when he had to play starter when Fultz went, you know, went out. And then Cole had that really bad injury in Portland that left that he missed what a month, two months for. Uh, and then when he got back, he, he really started to show what he could be potentially with how he finished the season. Now, part of that was going up against, I guess, teams that were resting teams that were bad and also trying to tank. Like there's, there's a lot of factors with that. And then Cole just was able to get up a lot of shots too. But I mean, if you look at the start of this season, I don't think anybody could have you know, projected that he was going to be averaging over 20 points per game and shooting as well as he was for that stretch. But He's in a hard slump now. I'm not going to put a ceiling on what Cole Anthony could be yet. Like he's, he's super young. Like I think ideally he's going to be like the sixth or seventh man off our bench. And I still think Markel Fultz is our best point guard. I still don't think it's a good idea to give Jalen Suggs, you know, all these point guard minutes when he's putting up worse rookie numbers than a rookie Russell Westbrook was putting up. You know, if I, if you do like a basketball reference stat comparison, and you go and look at Jalen Suggs now, this rookie season, compared to Russell Westbrook's rookie uh, season, like they're both shooting under like 38% from the field, under 28% from three-point range. Their average, you know, it's the turnovers are about three and a half per game. Like it's, it's ugly. It's really freaking ugly. But with Cole, I like Cole. He's going to be, he's kind of like Jameer was honestly, where he's not the best player, but he might actually be the best leader on the court. And you can, I, I don't know if you want to maybe pick at my point or not, but I, I, Cole is a guy that I will happily keep around, you know, as a, as one of the leaders of this team moving forward, because like, the kid's got something he's, he, yeah. he, he, he's got that it factor when it comes to being able to put it, you know, put a team of guys on the floor together and just help, help, you know, help motivate him, help bring him up. I mean, he got Mo Bamba to work really hard this off season and it, it almost carried through for half a season with Bamba. Like he, those like <laughs> he's Mo, doing the Lord's work there. Like, like, come on, let, let's be honest here. Like Cole Anthony helped put this team together chemistry wise in a way that, and I know Jonathan Isaac gets credit for the Charleston trip. I get that, but Cole's the one that's really doing it, you know, on the court, off the court, in a way that Jameer, Jameer Nelson would do it back in the day where he would take you know the team out to Pennsylvania, you know, before a season would start. And he's just got that energy, man. And it's it's really tough to to match to have to match that when, when you look at a whole bunch all the talent and all the youth around in the NBA. And he's He's got it. So I, I like Cole. I don't know if you had any other thoughts on him before I got to. Uh, I, I would just say, point. I think for the state of the team, we're in pretty good shape in terms of young uh, leadership between Cole and Wendell. You know, obviously we're, you know, a little bit on the outside looking in or, you know, in your case, a little more outside than you were a couple of years ago when you, when there's more direct access, but by all accounts, I think there's, um, 
both, you know, the, the extroverted and the introverted um, leaders, but both seem to be commanding respect, which is a rarity and, 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 and a positive thing. So back to Weldham real quick. So they got this extension through 2025, 2026, but when are they truly on the hot seat to where, you know, if we're not competing for playoffs, you know, potentially getting into like finals discussion, is that after the 2023 off season? Is that, is it later? Like when, when is it really, okay, guys, your time's up. Like you got to really have shown some results here. I, to me, I think if you miss uh, at least first returns, if you miss on the draft next year and you go into the summer without a clear-cut win in free agency, I think it's lame duck status after that. Do you disagree? No, I mean, because this, this all seems to be building up to 2023 offseason. And whether that's – look, I still maintain that I'll be shocked if they're able to just flat out sign through free agency, like a stud guy, like a, a Donovan Mitchell type guy. You know, that's, that's the level I'm thinking of where I'm looking at a top 25 player that you, that, that you sign. Like if it's going to happen, it's going to have likely happen through, you know, free, like a, a trade, some type of trade, maybe even a sign and trade, but um, which might be required depending on salaries and, and whatnot and salary cap space. But I, I would be shocked if, pleasantly shocked if they're able to just flat out sign a dude um of that caliber like that bradley beal donovan mitchell type caliber um but yeah we're both kind of in agreement like 2023 off season, like going into fall if if we if we're not done going with draft picks if we're not done having basically a win if we're not in a win now type mentality at that point like what are we doing? Cause yeah. the fan base is taking a hit psychologically. And I, I want to talk about this now, I guess now, cause I didn't have it set up for a specific time slot, I guess in this pod, but you know, obviously we've seen it recently just this weekend when we got murdered by Memphis and, and Boston, but the real, like the, the, the diehard magic fans, they're, they're there. They're not going to pay money to, to go watch this team right now, but they're watching on TV. They're keeping an eye on, on this team. Like they're not going to, we're not going to pay money for a product that's not trying to win right now. And I, I, for the magic fans that do go to these games, the season ticket holders, like I, I, I salute you, respect you. Like if you got the, the income and the money to, to do that, great. But there's just a lot of fans that are not going to commit that type of time, money. They're just not, they're just not going to do that for a team that's clearly not trying to win right now. So. It sucks seeing guys like, you know, uh, Jalen, uh, Jalen Brown, John Morant and B get MVP chance in our building. It does. Uh, but it's not, it doesn't define the fan base. That's, that's where I'm going to leave it at that. I don't know if you got any feedback or any thoughts on, on that, Penny. I mean, it's no different than any other middling or struggling team in, in any given season where the hot teams or teams that have loyal uh, fan bases overtake the arena. I mean, it's not like it's an isolated issue in Orlando only. Right. Uh, to, to experience it is not fun as a Magic fan and uh, obviously for supporters in the building. But, I, you know, that's just the, objectively that's the way it is. And we, I think we're getting a bad rap for it or at least a... Twitter-wise recently, it seems like um, 
you know, like it's like really the, blown up. Yeah. Especially like when Embiid was catcalling kind of a couple weeks ago or whenever that was, I think yeah. that kind of heightened it too, but it's, it's nothing new and it's certainly nothing unique to Orlando. Right. No, not, not with this new building anyway. In the old building, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it, look, the old building used to be, if you were good, they'd go. If you, we were not, it'd just be empty. Like I, I, you know, there would be seasons where we were towards the bottom in attendance because that building would be empty. And we've been to a lot of those games, those early 2000 games. We, we went to, to quite a few of those, you know, early, like basically up to like Dwight's second year in the league. Like we, we went to a lot of those and, you know, the only time where you, we'd really see rival fans was if it was either like the Lakers, the Knicks, and maybe Boston, maybe because Boston wasn't good back then really. So, um, you know, it's, it's evolved now uh, where, it seems like any any good team with like a, a fun star is it's going to there's going to be a bandwagon type feel to it. And part of that is instead of letting the seats go, you know, leave, leave them empty like they're, you know, they're teaming up with Disney or some of these tour companies to hand out tickets to tourists that aren't Magic fans. And so you're going to yeah. get a lot of that as well. So if you want to blame somebody, blame Alex Martin. So that, that's what can I, I can I ask your question as uh uh 30 plus year fans of the organization and the uh-huh. team yeah uh, well team more than organization but uh, and as as people who um have attended hundreds if not a thousand games i it's you, it's at least it's definitely like over it feels like it's over a couple hundred that's for sure it's not a thousand you, but it's, over, it's you definitely miss, over a couple hundred do you miss going to the building to watch a game? I, this is coming from me who uh, I think the last time that I was in the building for a game, obviously we, we went to the uh, draft party this past summer. Was it the um, golden state game? It was, was golden state. And that had to have been December of, of uh, 19, no, December of 19. Um, I think before the pandemic. So, yeah. Yeah. Certainly before the pandemic. So we're talking two full years basically without seeing a live magic game in person. And quite frankly, I, I would not, I, I would not uh, make an extra effort to go to the building to watch a game unless I had uh, solid lower level seats, you know, sideline wise. And if the game was like on a weekend, cause otherwise I'm not going to, make the trek and you know do the undertaking um to go there and and take it in in person so to be fair you're i mean you live out south of ucf so it's it's a bit of a a drive for you for one thing but no i'm with you i mean with the new building one the entertainment's not good in the building like people like people talk about how nice the building is how new the building still feels sure but it's kind of like a cavernous type of feel in there and then the entertainment sucks. It, it's been bad for a long time. Like I, I can't believe, I, again, I've said this before, but it, it's like, it was better when it was like the Scotty B days. Like that, that's, that's how bad we are. <laughs> that's how bad the state of things are right now with our entertainment. But um, you know, even like this stuff isn't a good stuff mascot compared to stuffs of, 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 of the past. So that's, but I mean, this is by far the longest we, you and I have both gone, not being at a magic game at home. Like, I, like not since I was like nine years old, this is the longest drought that, that, that I've had from between magic games that I've been to. And maybe I'll, I'll, I'll go to a game. Um, 
it'd have to be like free tickets almost at this point. I'm, I'm not paying the, like the DeVos family any money to go see the, this team right now. Um, I'm just not, I'm not motivated for that. I'm not motivated by this ownership. I'm not motivated by, by the product. And it's, it's unfortunate because we have actual exciting young players. We do. And, you know, I still have my doubts about the coaching staff. I have my doubts about Wilhelm's plans, but um, yeah, it's, it's not great right now, but there a few moves here or there can change things a lot. That's and if you you have a winning product, that that changes everything. It, it really does. Um, winning fixes a lot of things, but when you're not winning, uh, a lot of your flaws get exposed, and this is a very flawed organization. Um, I don't know if you want me to move on to the other next thing, or if we want to keep ranting right now, but I was right, not well, expecting this. Yeah, much. that was, that was depressing. Let's <laughs> we'll keep going. But I mean, it is what it is, right? We, we, we love the team uh, and have loved the team and will continue to love the team. But at the end of the day, you have to call it like you see it. And uh, clearly it's not all sunshine and rainbow. I mean, because if you think about it, if you just take every, like if I'm looking at, these two young successful teams like Memphis and Cleveland right now, they're in like bottom of the barrel markets. Orlando is a top 14, top 12 media market NBA wise. It is like, if you look at it because of the real recent growth of, uh, of the central Florida area, we're in that top, top echelon. Like you could call us middle market. You can't call us a small market team. And yet everyone views it as, as like a small market team. What's your frustration level? Because you mentioned Cleveland, who, uh, you know, basically once LeBron left for L.A., bottomed out again. And it's not like it's worse. (laughs) It's not like the East is, uh, um, you know, light this year. I I think the East top to bottom is is a better conference than the West. I don't. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. They're right. I mean you can you can speak to maybe this is a fluke season for them but they're enjoying success this year and they have young stars locked up and you know a nucleus and a plan in place how frustrating is it to see cleveland bottom out basically bottom out twice in the in the time span that we've been rebuilding and re-rebuilding and on the heels of those two bottoming out they get Finals run, which you know can't count because it's LeBron and a championship, and now uh, something to be excited about, um, and and at least you know hope for the future already. Yeah, like I'm not gonna say there's no hope for the match. Like I'm not gonna go like there's hope, like there's pieces there with the magic, but it's interesting to see just like Cleveland has a shitty owner that's rich, and they've been able to put this together in spite of their shitty owner. You know, the Magic have bad ownership, but they have wealthy ownership. And then we're in Orlando where we have great weather. We have a, uh, you know, we have a tax advantage over certainly Cleveland for sure. Whereas then you look at Memphis and they have an owner that was, that's what, a new ownership they got, what, 10 years ago, I guess, around there. Mm -hmm. Like it's a fresh ownership for the most part. Was it Robert Pear, I think, and his group, they have that team, but um it's frustrating. It is. And I, I, I just don't want magic fans to just accept, accept this. I, I really don't. And it's this, the fan base is starting to kind of push back against 
well, Tam, against ownership a little bit for what's acceptable at this point, because this family, you know, this, this, this magic team has a top 10, top five, like wealth behind it from an ownership, like family perspective. Like if you look at all the Forbes lists of NBA owner teams, NBA owned teams and who runs them and how much money they have, like money's not an issue here. It, it, it's not, or it shouldn't be, but, um, you know, that's one of the rough things where I guess with the, with the DeVos family treating this with this franchise hands off over the past two decades plus, it's been mostly hands off. You know, they, 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 you know, whenever, you know, they took the team team over in late 91 or, you know, yeah, late 91, Pat Williams was still mostly running stuff. And then DeVos ruined the shack thing for us. He did. He did. Um, so he got involved there. And then it seemed like John Gabriel got handed the keys, which thanks for fucking up the shack thing for him. I, I feel bad for Gabriel because he, he had nothing wrong to do with that. Um, if he had the checkbook, he would have gave a check probably 150 mil, no doubt. Easy um, at the time. But then we had a good stretch there, you know, after Gabriel in the early 2000s. Whatever was going on with, you know, with Bob Vanderwhite, Otis Smith, Dave Twardzik, it worked for a bit there. Um, and then once the infamous exit for Vanderwhite occurred, it's been Alex Martins for a while. And I know ever since Weltam and Hammond took over, Weltam is the president of basketball operations. That's a, that's a real thing. But um, Magic fans still think Alex Martins is at fault. But I guess we need an ownership that that need that that actually seems to care at this point because they tried the hands off thing. It, it worked for a certain era and age, but now if you look at some of the best and most successful teams, like their ownerships somewhat involved or at least more active than what we have. I guess that's that's another thing. But man, this is quite a riff and a rant. Um, <laughs> you want to add anything else before I get to to, to some other stuff? Because this could is going to be a long episode at this rate. Yeah, let's turn it around. We'll, we'll move on. All right. So speaking of John Gabriel, he and Brian Hill are the 10th and 11th members of the Magic Hall of Fame. I think they're officially being inducted March 2nd. It's going to be awkward when neither of them gets cheered by the by the fans uh, when they when they hit the floor to read to get their congratulations. Gabriel, I mean, they both deserve it. Um, you know, obviously, the second go around with Brian Hill wasn't nearly as good as the first go around, but he had that impact in the mid nineties, uh, you know, did, did, would it, would things have gone the same or better? Had Matt Gukas still been the head coach? We're never going to know, but Brian Hill des- deserves to be in the magic hall of fame. Absolutely. Especially with his contributions, you know, in the, with the magic broadcasts over these, these past, over these years. Um, and then with John Gabriel, he went for it. He, John Gabriel is basically known as the first GM in the NBA, at least to, to tank, to, to make moves specifically to open up salary cap space. And he almost hit, you know, got the triple double of uh, signing McGrady, Grant Hill and Tim Duncan. Like he, he almost did that. He, you know, he, he got two of them. And if Grant Hill stays healthy uh, it, this, the story is a lot different for, for yeah. Gabriel. He, he could still be in the front office today. If, if Grant Hill stays healthy, like that's, that that's how that would that could have gone but um gabriel absolutely you know both of them are very well deserving i don't know if you got any other thoughts benny 
I would just say regarding cap flexibility and things of that nature that uh, even dating back to the Horace Grant contract, you know, I don't know how much credit goes to Gabriel versus Pat Williams for that one, but even navigating to get Horace Grant to, to make the finals run in 95 was some, uh, you know, uh, manipulation of the legal manipulation of, of the salary cap. Um, and also for Brian Hill and John Gabriel, both have been, uh, I think in a consultant role most recently. So obviously their contributions in the past are, um, respected and well-regarded in that, you know, they're part of the family and now they will forever be far, part of the family, um, as they get inducted into the hall. Yeah, they, they absolutely deserve it. Um, all right, next topic. So Jalen Suggs came back before Markel Fultz. Fultz has been out for over a year. Uh, actually, we're almost at a, we're at a year and, and a month now with, with Fultz. It's been 13 months. But Suggs missed 20 games with that fractured right thumb, which the, fun, the, 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 the craziest part about that is Embiid smacks the living hell out of his hand, and the, the, Suggs couldn't even get a foul out of that, uh, a foul call out of that. But um, – you know, MB, uh, but uh, Suggs came back. It, it sucks because I, I wish Fultz would have came back during that stretch uh, because then he could have played with Cole Anthony and we would have gotten a good look at what that backcourt would have looked like. But, you know, Suggs has come back. He's kind – he looks a bit better offensively, just a little bit. But overall, like, his shooting percentages are not good. I think Magic fans kind of overrate his defense. Like, I, I, I understand, like, the on-ball effort, the on-ball defense, like, the pressure and all that. Like, that's great. But just his overall defense is still lagging in that regard. And, like, the advanced stats show it. Um, I'm, I'm not going to judge anything about what Jalen Suggs is or could be. I just wish that we, they would make him more of a shooting guard than a point guard. Obviously, we're short on actual point guards, so that's why the ball's in his hand. But I get, like, Victor Oladipo flashbacks when I see Suggs, like, throwing like four turnovers away every game but um yeah i don't know what what are your thoughts i mean look isaac jonathan isaac's basically dead to me right now until i see him on the court that's that's where i'm at with him like uh he'll join like ennis Cantor at the cpac conference in like in orlando at the end of february before he's on the court i'm sure so uh but with Fultz he definitely could have been playing by now. Like I, I have zero doubts. It's, it's a tanking ploy. Like it's one thing to be cautious. It's another thing like that. It's almost going to be to Fultz's detriment now where rust is going to kick in that he's not on the floor. Like he's, he's ready. He's been ready for a long time. Um, this lack of communication from the front office is leads to this type of frustration within the fans. And it's, it, I hate it when, when, just lies are, are occurring when it comes to this injury situation. Like Etwan Moore could be playing right now. The only guy that's out, well, there's two guys out that, that are obviously legitimately hurt. You know, RJ Hampton's out. He'll he'll hopefully be back around all-star break. But Michael Carter Williams was the one out of all those guys that legitimately could easily have you know not be back before all-star break. That's that that's where I'm at with with how I view the injuries. Like MCW's injury when when it happened, when I read about it, like. I was not expecting back before all-star break, but um, I guess, what are your thoughts on no, no, not seeing Fultz yet? Uh, Suggs, do you think Suggs can be a point guard for this team? I don't think he's a better point guard right now than Cole Anthony and Cole Anthony's got a lot of flaws. Yeah. Uh, I, I anticipated Markel being back before all-star break. So that has been surprising and disappointing in terms of building for the future. And hopefully he is ready to go immediately after the break. 
um, so that we can kind of get uh, a little bit of time with everybody together going into the summer. Um, regarding Which is big. Taylor- That's huge because yeah. that's important because we have to value what we fucking have. Like if we don't know what we have going into the off season, that's a very frustrating thing because I need, like, I need to see Cole and, and Markel on the court together. I need to see Jonathan Isaac, what he looks like next to Franz and Wendell or can I, is Isaac going to be a center now? And when, de- and, and, you know, do you then have Franz and Chuma around Isaac? Like, I don't know. Like I need to see this stuff. And, and at the end of the day for Faults and Isaac, who've gotten the extensions, those contracts, they're still movable. Even at that, even at those numbers, they're more, yeah, they're each movable. making 17 and 16 million. Yeah. So you, you got to decide, you know, you, you've made a, a preliminary commitment to both of those guys uh, pending health and continued improvement, but they're not locks either. You, you got to know what you have um, and you got to know what it looks like across the board. For, for Jalen Suggs, look, the, I think visually it's been uh, more appealing. <laughs> Aesthetically, it's been better since his return from the thumb injury. Um, you're not going to know what you have until next year or beyond with him. I agree that to me, the best point guard on the roster is Markel Folds still. Um, And, you know, the biggest thing that Suggs has to do coming from a guy who can, who cannot dribble is he's got to tighten the handle significantly. So I don't know if that's uh, hiring a new personal trainer or, uh, really tapping into the skill development and player development people on staff with the Magic, but um, he's not going to succeed to the level in this league that we need him to um, without significantly improving that. And that might open up, you know, across the board and make things easier in a lot of ways, but that, that's got to be number one over the summer, I think. So speaking of some of the young guys, like we have uh, this all-star weekend coming up here in a, in a few weeks, uh, you know, the trade deadlines happening this week, a few weeks after that, you know, everybody's going to Cleveland for all-star weekend. Uh, Cole Anthony's going to be in the dunk contest. He's going to be going up against Jalen green, uh, Juan Toscano Anderson and Obi Toppin. I haven't looked at the odds. I think, I think green actually might be the favorite. He's got like this big social media presence too, that, that people, People really like that kid coming coming up, but uh, Toppin's been in the dunk contest before. Like the only one that people are kind of curious about why he's in the dunk contest is is Juan, but because uh, Cole Anthony has been in dunk contest before, uh, you know, in high school, I, I, he he did a he did one a couple, I think. But um, I think Cole's got a good shot to win. I, I don't know about you. I wish that this would be a good time now for the Magic to officially lower his height from six three to six one, just to kind of help him out uh with the judging maybe but cole cole we, we know is an awesome in-game dunker um i know he hit the front iron the rim like jalen suggs over the weekend on a dunk but uh we'll just call that a fluke uh you know cole has been struggling with his shot and he's a confident guy so if he has fun this all-star weekend it actually might uh might help him if uh if he if he somehow wins that contest and it might actually help him going into the remaining part of this part of the season. But, uh, you know, do, do you, Penny, do you think Cole can win this dunk competition? I think he can. Um, apparently Obi Toppin's got some hype about some dunks that people have never seen before that he's going to 
whip out, but tall guys are at a disadvantage. Like if, if, if it's a tall guy against the guy that's a foot shorter than him, like the short guy is going to get the crowd more on his side. Yeah. Cole looks cool in the air on his dunks. Most yeah. Of he, floats. he floats. He yeah. floats. So like, he's got that, uh, you know, uh, beauty and grace and power thing going, uh, to me, I think Obi Toppin is going to be, um, has the, the lowest chance to win. Also, he's a known commodity in the dunk contest, so I don't buy that. Uh, not that Cole is not a good athlete because we talk about um, his you know knack for rebounding as a guard and obviously he's got um, athleticism to him, but th- there's been quite a few front rim dunks. Uh, so I think that he's going to have to not miss in order to win. Fatigue, which is stupid to say, games. right? But, but yeah, but no, but look, I mean, and typically, like the best dunk, the, the the best dunkers in these contests are the ones that that usually, you know, off the bat don't miss. Like it's really tough to win the crowd back if you've got like a front rim clunker to to start. You my, know? my point, I guess, in saying that is that I think he has a smaller margin for error uh, yeah. in terms of execution. So I, in, I would not put him down as my favorite, No, um, but I think that he has a, a wide open chance to win and I'll look forward to watching it as we always do. Yeah, this is uh, going to be a good weekend for the most part. And I hope the Magic somehow get a guy in the three-point competition. That, that might actually be in play. We'll see. But um, with the Rising Stars competition, you know, the night before, so the dunk contest that should be Saturday night as, as, as in years past. Obviously, last year was weird because of – COVID-19, but, um, you know, you've got the Rising Stars game that Friday of All-Star Weekend. And for the first time ever, the Magic are going to have three players in this game. Uh, It's going to be Cole Anthony, Franz Wagner, Jalen Suggs. Suggs was the most questionable of the three that that was going to make these rosters. But uh, there was a new format to how they're doing this uh, Rising Stars competition. I'm not going to go over it if you want to see the details. I think it's kind of cool that how they freshened it up into basically four teams that are going to compete each other against each other um, over, I guess, a couple games. And they're going to do some other crazy stuff in it. But just freshening up is, is cool because the Rising Stars game is very rarely fun to watch. Um, you know, the closest fun the Magic, the magic as, uh, as a base have had was when Mario Hazonia almost won MVP of that game. Like, Hazonia had his team won. He actually probably would have won MVP of that, of that Rising Stars game, which would have been his greatest NBA moment uh, because he's in Russia right now. But, um, yeah. I, uh, so, yeah, Cole and Suggs, they're going to be playing together on an undersized James Worthy team. And then Franz Wagner is on Rick Barry's stack team. Rick Barry, awesome draft by him. I won't go over the rosters of the teams. You can look those up. But uh, I'd be surprised if Franz's team didn't win. That I'll leave it at that. I don't know if you got any thoughts on the Rising Stars stuff, Benny. I, I think you've covered all the bases. Okay. Uh, lastly, before we get into the trade deadline stuff, we got to talk about Giannis Timma because – he was signed by Lakeland about a week, two weeks ago. Uh, yeah, about a week ago. He's playing with them already. Um, Promptly raining threes. Yeah, he's raining a ton of threes. If you look at the Lakeland Magic uh, Twitter page, like there's a lot of highlights of of, of Giannis uh, just throwing throwing down a whole bunch of three point shots. It's it's he's really making it rain. And uh, this is where people not being able to pronounce, uh, be properly pronounced Giannis Didacumbo and then Giannis Tima, it's really going to hurt because 
Yanni is Yanni, and then Giannis is Giannis. But people say Giannis for Giannis and Didacumbo, which is going to confuse people that actually uh, that actually don't know the pronunciation stuff correctly. But um, Tim is interesting because he, he had that fun summer league run with us uh, out of the blue, basically. And then he signed a one-month deal with uh, Unix Kazan in Russia back in November. And that was, I think he was there less than 30 days. And then he had not been heard of since December. And last week he, he signs with Lakeland and um, it's going to be, I don't know. I, Penny, do you think we see uh, Timma on the Orlando magic roster after the trade deadline? Because I think, yes. I'm going to say, no, I don't think so. Because do you think who, who has a better chance to, does anyone else from the current Lakeland roster have a better chance of coming up than him? I mean, the answer is Devin Kennedy, right? That's, I mean, I can't think of a, of a different one. And I mean, Kennedy just got back. He's, he's looking strong again, too. You know, he had that horrific injury last year for the magic. He's, he took a lot of time getting, getting rehabbed and getting it right. And he looks, you know, I've heard, I've heard good things with, with Lakeland when it comes to Devin Kennedy, but I just don't think uh, Timo would, would have made this move had he had he not been promised uh like a 15th man spot on the magic he's not going to take a two-way contract he's 29 years old they're not doing that but i think there's going to be a lot of wheeling dealing done by Wiltham, and there's going to be you know a couple guys that get waived probably after those deals happen and i think that's going to open up a spot for for timma to, to take that's i i would be sh- surprised if we don't see him at least play one game for the mad for the orlando magic uh by the end of the season I would be surprised. Um, and I don't know if, if you have any other thoughts. Uh, I mean, the guy, look, you can Google this stuff. I'm not going to get into the ugly details of personal life or personal scandal with him. Like legally, he's done nothing wrong legally. You know, but there's there's just some personal stuff going on there that you can find on Google that I don't know if he's navigated. And I mean, last summer, that run with the magic really was a big deal to him. Um, he had a great Jake Chapman interview uh, on, on Jake Chapman's podcast. Um, that that was a really good listen, and it, it's coming almost nine years late or like eight years late, basically for him. But it'd be cool to see him get a game for the Magic. It'd be cool. It, it'd be cool because I think the young guys obviously got along well with him. I don't think they'd be making the sign the signing uh, had he not and. I think the Magic are going to need just a veteran guy at the end of the bench when when this trade deadline's done. So that's where where I'm at with that. I think we see uh, Tim on the Orlando Magic. I, I that'd be cool to see. I'll say that. I don't uh, I don't know if it'll happen, but it'd be cool to see. The Magic have never had a player play in a regular season game with a number higher than number 55. So and Tim wore 62 at summer league, and be cool to see. Not cool, but it'd be unique to see just a number above 55 on the court for us. Just something different. Cause I've seen, cause we've seen all these weird 90 something numbers or 80 something numbers, 70, whatever, but we've never, the magic have never had a number over 55. It's interesting. Um, I don't know if it's anything, but it's interesting. Uh, so yeah, we saved the trade deadline machine talk here for last and Penny, I don't know if you created any trades yourself. You can, I, you know, I have. You can just kind of critique mine if you have it. But uh, I've got, I've got a handful. I got one fun one that's going to blow things up. Oh. Uh, 
the rest you yours will probably be better than mine because in going through the process i uh i was expecting first round pick value and I, i'm not certain that we find it anywhere but I'll, I'll let you start it off so with mine you'll notice it's basically all about mo bamba terrence ross and gary harris um yeah. with bamba i've already said it mo wagner is oftentimes better than him way more often than not mo wagner's making 1.8 million that's a lot, lot less than Mo Bamba at this point. Wagner's energy and peskiness outweigh Bamba's output, and it's become ever more noticeable the, the, you know, the further along the season we've gone. And with how good Franz is, why would we not hold on to his 24-year-old brother? Uh, you know, Bamba is 23. He makes $7.5 million per season in the final year of his rookie contract. And, you know, he's averaging a career best 10 points per game and two blocks per contest. He's fifth in the league in blocks like he gets his blocks. But there's just so many lapses in his play. He's not even an average one on one defender. Thirty five percent from three point range isn't something to go crazy for. And there's just no doubt that Wendell is the better center option moving forward between those two, because there was that debate going into the season. And it's not even close to debate. So the way I see it, Weltham have these options ahead of them. They can trade Bamba this week or they can keep them and let them walk in the summer, which is unlikely. That's just kind of letting an asset go for nothing. Or you can keep them. He signs a $10 million qualifying offer and we kind of do this all over again next season, which again, I think it's unlikely because Bamba should then fire his agent if that happens in my mind. Or you can use them in a sign and trade this off season, which again, I, I, I think it's unlikely. Uh, Penny, out of those three options, what do you think happens with Bamba? Or four um, options, I guess. Yeah, I I hope that he gets moved for like another reclamation project because I you're not gonna we're, there's there's no future here. We're, no. So so maybe you know swap junk for junk. I think is the best case. Cole Anthony couldn't save him. That's that's where I'm at with that. <laughs> Robin Lopez who uh, I think also makes Mo Bamba expendable. But Rolo is, is a great veteran on an expiring $5 million deal. And uh, unless we buy him out so he can join his injured brother in Milwaukee for the Bucks, I think Rolo is someone that you actually re-sign for cheap and keep around at least next season. What's your Rolo thoughts? Do you think he gets traded? Because I don't think he gets traded. Like I said, I, I think it's literally he stays here and we sign him for another season or – he's going to be waived and the Bucks pick him up. That, that's literally the only options I see for him. Yeah, I don't, I, real GM would differ in that multiple teams are inquiring about the services of Robin Lopez, but I don't see a trade candidate or possibility happening. I also think he signed here with the intention of doing exactly, you know, there's been no surprises about the level of success of the team and his role, right? So uh, I, I envision him finishing out the season and depending on what happens. Otherwise, I think he's welcome back in the same role next year. He's great. I, I love Rolo, man. I, I really do. Um, T Ross, he just turned 31 years old. His shooting percentage this season have dipped even more and his trade value has taken a hit because of it. Um, he's in the low 30% from, from three point range. Like it's, it's not good. He's making $12.5 million this season and it expires next season where he's making 11.5 million next season. So it's a very reasonable contract to move though. I still maintained his destined to be on a West coast team and win a playoff game for them. There's, 
just like a Jason Terry like potential future there for him in my eyes. He's obviously more athletic than Jason Terry still, but I know I'm glad Magic fans realize he's not much of I guess a mentor for this team like Gary Harris. Um, you know, Ross is just a dude. I said this way back, you know, a while back. He's he's just a guy. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But the Magic don't need a 31 year old taking minutes and shots away from younger guys like Suggs or RJ Hampton. That that's kind of my viewpoint. You know, Ross should have been traded no later than last year, like when when the Fournier and Aaron Gordon trades happened. But um, and I still don't know why he, he's not he's not here. That's kind of where where I'm at with that. Um, are, are you kind of in agreement with me as far as Gary Harris should? Or I mean, not Terrence Ross should be gone. I, I we talk about it every six months that we have a podcast. But, uh, I it's hard to fathom he's been here as long as he has, and that uh, he has the reverence that he does with the fan base um, for such middling play. Um, and then let's get to Gary Harris here, who is 27. He's been outstanding the past two months. I mean. I, it's funny, like the last pod we did in December, I was talking about how great of a December he was having and everybody else realized it and started praising Gary Harris. So, but Gary's just confident in his body. Like he's not getting hurt. He's not worried about these small injuries. He's hitting jumpers consistently. He's hitting some tough three pointers too. Like these, these aren't wide open looks all the time. He fits the age timeline of this team, I think. And as someone you want in the locker room. He's got a $20.5 million expiring contract, though, and I'd love to keep him, but he should be on a playoff team now if he wants to. Like, I, I can't imagine why he wouldn't want to be, but either we'd have to offer him something this summer, like, you know, one year at $18 million, or we have to trade him away. Like, I don't, I don't think there's really an in, in between because I just don't think we're, we're going to offer or should offer more than, I don't know, $12 million uh per per year if it's a multiple season contract nor should he accept less than 15 million dollars per year if i'm gary or his agent but he also deserves a lot more national media hype than he's gotten like way more than eric gordon is eric gordon is getting praised so much for his play at houston and it's he shouldn't be not compared to gary harris gary harris is a better two-way player than eric gordon um but I mean, Penny, what are your thoughts on Gary and the stuff I said about, you know, retaining him? Like, would you sign him to a big one-year deal? Because I don't think the Magic are going to make a big signing this year. Like, you, I mean, unless you think they're going to go after Miles Bridges, like there's no, you know, we're going to have the cap space for at least another year. Yeah, I think the one-year Jeff Green type deal for Gary Harris would be fair. Uh, hard to say if he has any interest in continuing the kind of more mentorship role that he has here versus, you know, I mean, if he's healthy, this is the prime of his career. So obviously you tend to have bigger aspirations than, uh, you know, hanging out to kick off the rebuild. All right, let's do the trade machine stuff. So I'm going to throw a trade at you. You let me know uh, your thoughts on it, but uh, this is a trade with Boston. I have Terrence Ross and Mo Bamba going to Boston for Aaron Neesmith, Josh Richardson, Ennis Cantor Freedom, who we would waive his $2.6 million immediately, unless he and Isaac want to talk, you know, uh, talk stuff. Uh, maybe, maybe the ownership will want to keep, uh, keep Ennis around at that point. But, uh, and then I also want their uh, uh, Boston's first round pick either this summer or 2023. It seems like a lot for Boston to give up. 
Uh, well, I mean, let me let me let me say okay. this. So Josh Richardson is 28. He's got one year left at 12.3 million dollars, and uh, and this is I mean ne- next year he's got one year left. It so we're, we we'd be doing Boston like a salary cap favor here. Right. So, he's also been very bad since he left Miami. Yes, so he would be kind of like a Gary Harris reclamation project off the bench. That's how I view Josh Richardson, and that's why I want the draft pick back. Like this ain't happening if I'm not getting a first round pick back. Um, Celtic fans, they want T. Ross really badly. Like the Celtics as a whole want T. Ross on that team. And he would come in huge handy, like especially if he's somehow on the floor with at the same time as Tatum and Brown. Like that's that's intriguing. Um, We need to use Bamba as as a sweetener because Ross's percentages are down. Mo Bamba himself. Other than the blocks, it's, it's, you know, you're not getting a first round pick from Obama. Like he's an expiring, like you're not getting a first round pick from Obama. I'm going to lay that out there. Um, But the reason why this probably doesn't happen is the Celtics may still have a bad taste in their mouths after uh, Fournier didn't quite work out for them. Um, You know, with Evan, Weltham waited like 20 months too long to do to, to, to trade Evan away. And all we got was that $17 million trade exception, which it's going to expire if we don't use it at this trade deadline. So um, yeah, I mean, Neesmith, some Celtics fans or some Celtics are kind of coming around to him. Some aren't. And he's a guy that I wanted the magic drafts. Um, you know, we got Cole Anthony instead. It's worked out pretty well, but we also, I also wanted RJ Hampton and we ended up trading for RJ Hampton. So I'd like to trade for Aaron Neesmith plus he's a Vanderbilt guy. Jeff Turner would be happy. Let's make Jeff Turner happy. And yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think Ross alone, the potential of what Ross can be. And then just having another big body like Mo who could potentially block shots can is something that might happen, but I'll leave your thoughts up to that, Penny. I, I think it's a, an intriguing package to get back to me. I think I'm not sure that Boston pulls the trigger from their end. Here, here's my counter proposal okay. uh, to extract value from Terrence Ross. I'm not sure if this would work, um, but with the Dallas Mavericks. So what about Terrence Ross for Reggie Bullock, Moses Brown, and a second round pick. Now they let's. This is assuming that they've uh, want to get off the future, you know, Reggie Bullock salary. Here's the thing, because I was watching last night. Reggie Bullock had a hell of a game for Dallas when they beat Atlanta, and he's he's. A, I, I would take Reggie Bullock over over T. Ross for, from from a two way perspective. I think Reggie Bullock is, is a better player than T. Ross. So I think Dallas says no. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. So you're saying from a long-term money perspective, though. I, I'm saying they get off the Reggie Bullock contract moving forward. Do you know how many years he has left? I, two years after, right? How much uh, is he making? About the same as T. Ross? Or like eight, eight or nine. Not a ton. Yeah. But assuming he's only shooting 35% from three. Now, obviously, we that's still about better than T. Ross. Struggles. <laughs> yeah, that's still but better assuming, than T. Ross. Assuming that with better quality, uh, better teammates, you know, and Luka Doncic setting up. So Reggie Bullock, uh, his three-point shots, uh, 97% of his three-pointers are assisted field goals. So if you can Mm. imagine T. Ross and more catch-and-shoot situations, maybe there's better success, maybe not. Uh, Also, that trade is assuming that Mo Bamba gets moved somewhere else. I I like Moses Brown, too. I think there's something there. And it'd be nice to have another Mo uh, in the front court if we get rid of Bamba. 
Yeah, you're not wrong with that. Um, yeah, I think Dallas would would say no. I do think that the Mavericks actually would want Mobamba. Like, I think they really do want to trade for him. I just couldn't get it to work, but um, that's an interesting trade. I, I, hey, I said T. Ross could be a Jason Terry on a team, and hey, Jason Terry was awesome for the Dallas Mavericks. So, I mean, that that that'd be actually pretty. That's actually quite coincidental and quite funny. But um, yeah, it's. That's interesting. I, I just I just think Reggie Bullock is 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 too is is better than Ross and nine million is not that much money. I don't think, but it's a very interesting trade. Like I I, I would like Moses Brown. I'd give I'd love to give Moses Brown a shot. Um, I just don't know if Dallas would do that trade, but it's it's a good one. All right. Um, I've already I already have to scratch a trade off because I had uh, Ross and Etwan Moore to Cleveland for Rubio's expiring contract in their first, either this summer or next, next year. But, uh, the Pacers already got there before me and, uh, <laughs> they traded, uh, Levert to, to the Cavaliers and, uh, you know, so I got to scratch them off. Um, so I have, uh, I, I have a, a trade exception trade here. So I have us, I have us actually using our set, our trade exception. So the jazz lost Joe Ingles to injury. He's out for the rest of the year. He's 34 years old. He's expiring. I have Ingles. Uh, oh no, this are, well, I'll, I'll mention the trade exception in a second. I have the less realistic trade first here. So I have Ingles in a first round pick to T for, to the magic for T Ross. But the problem is Utah owes Memphis their first round pick this year. And then I think a few years later, they owe OKC a first. So the Jazz would have to give us either a first way down the road or acquire one. So I don't think Waldham would care about that. So the better trade I have is the Jazz send Ingles' $13 million expiring contract to us and two second round picks uh, to us uh, where we would just absorb it using our $17 million trade exemption. Um, That's what I have. And before I let you comment on, on that, I've seen Donovan Mitchell rumors and I'm going to just stop that, put a stop to that right now because Donovan Mitchell's not coming here. They'll dump Rico bear before him. None of that's going to happen until at least this summer. That's not happening. Now magic aren't going to make a big move for a star. Now we're tanking. Waldham would not go after a star until at least the off season. And unless the magic plan on signing miles bridges in the summer and steal him away from Charlotte with a huge contract, I just don't see us committing long-term big money to a player this summer. It's all building up to 2023, but what do you think of my trade exception thing? I, I, I love it actually. Uh, any, and so many go uh, without being used that I think to extract any value from it. Um, that's probably about the best that we could hope for. Two seconds is very reasonable. Like one of them would probably convey like this year, next year. And then the other one you can, it, it may never convey. That's, that's how these things usually go. But um, you know, we we're under, we'd, we'd be under the, the tax obviously if we did this, but um, yeah, that's, that's my, my viewpoint on that. Uh, you got, you got a trade, you got another trade to throw at me before I come out. I've got, I've got two more. I got one. I'll give you. I'm going to skip over the crappy ones because, uh, on the whole, I I, I told you I, I don't think that I'm not finding the value that we're hoping for. So uh, here's one small crappy one, and then I have two big ones at the end. So okay. uh, assuming Oklahoma City has any interest in Mo Bamba at all, Ooh. and obviously they have a treasure trove of picks over there. What about Mo Bamba for Derek Favors and a second rounder? You know, I thought about that. I would do it because favors is expiring, right? Yep. 
I mean, I, I would do it. I mean, like you said, this, this, this OKC have interest in Mo and looking at Mo Bamba for a little over two months to go left in the, in the season. I, I don't see why they wouldn't like, I've, I've, I've been, you know, obviously we listen to a lot of podcasts and it feels like OKC should go after somebody good, like a DeMontis Sabonis. Like I, I heard that from Bill Simmons podcast and it, I, I've honestly, it would make sense if it like it to go in now and actually start, you know, start utilizing all those draft picks that they have. But um, I, I, I mean, I don't see why they wouldn't do it because they're way under the salary floor. So like, it doesn't matter if 9 million comes off the books with favors or seven and a half million comes off the books with Bomba. So, I mean, I would do it. So that, that's a good trade. Um, so you have two other good ones still up your sleeve. I got, I got, these would be blockbuster trades. Okay. So I'm going to go with my final two that I have here and okay. then um, you'll do yours. And then I just, I want to go over a few more rumors here, but um, so I have, I have a King's trade. I feel like, Terrence Ross is destined to be on the Kings. So I have T Ross, Mo Bamba, and Etwan Moore to Sacramento for Mo Harkless, because Mo is my guy, and the expiring contracts of Tristan Thompson and Marvin Bagley, and their first round pick this summer, top 10 protected. So oh, I, I so I'm not doing this without that first round pick. And if the Kings want to add that buffer where, you know, if if they don't make the play in and somehow they get super lucky in the lottery, that's fine. We'll put that top 10 protected protection in there. Um, but we're, we're giving them huge help here because, again, I selfishly want Mo Harkless back. He's 28. He's only making $4.5 million next season. He's still a decent backup forward to have around, and he's very familiar with, with, with the uh, rebuild, how it went last time. He's actually played pretty well for the Kings recently too, so – that that might they might actually not want to trade him, but I mean he's his percentages are, are not great for the season. So uh, I mean to give them Terrence Ross and then to more importantly get them off Thompson and Bagley, that that far outweighs that for sure. But I mean again, Tristan Thompson, we immediately wave. Bagley, I could wave him now or I could give him a two-month tryout. It doesn't matter to me, but I mean the Kings are desperate to make the playoffs or at least make the play in to get into the playoffs. You know, and this deal just gives them the shooting help that they need. And, you know, and it's an addition by subtraction thing because I'm giving you potentially good shooters. You know, Etwan Moore is ready to go now. He, he is. He can play any minute now. Um, T. Ross, he's, you know, I don't know if he's going to get similar spacing to what he's had in Orlando, but um, he's got, he's going to have good point guards around him, be it either if they hold on to Fox, you know, if they don't, then you still got Halliburton and, and, and Davion Mitchell. Like T. T Ross, can do wonders for that Sacramento team. And then Mo Bamba, again, he, it's, it's a little hot. It, it's, it's very hot and cold right now, but he's got that three point per, you know, shooting percentage potential that um, guys like Rashawn Holmes or uh, Chemezi Metu don't really provide um, in my eyes. So um, yeah. So you like the trade. I like the trade. And I was going to say, can you believe that next season, would be Mo Harkless's 10th season in the NBA, but you can believe it because he started his career here during oh, he started the rebuild. In, he started well, in Philly, right? So uh, tra- I think. Oh, no, it was a pick. No, no, no. Right? Yeah, it was the pick. Yeah. Sorry. Forgive so, me. Yeah. And we've been rebuilding that entire time, and he's just been city hopping and contributing and uh, had a good, a real good run in Portland and now uh, could be reunited. 
I love Mo Harkless. Mo's my guy. Mo, uh, that's yeah. One day there's going to be a story about uh, about what happened on a West Coast road trip and and uh, you know why he ended up being uh, basically given away. But um, you know, Mo, I love Mo. Mo Mo's my Mo's one of my best followers on Twitter. That there's some bias, of course, with there too. But um, you know, he he was he he was also uh, he was also great in the locker room when I got to do my journalism thing back then. But um, yeah, so, all right, I'm going to give you my last trade and this is the Gary Harris trade. So I, it's, it's tough to move 20 and a half million dollars, but I have uh, Gary Harris to the new Orleans Pelicans for Thomas Sadoransky's $10 million expiring contract. Garrett temple, who he's a magic killer. He's made a career off of beating the magic. He's gotten contracts because he's been so good against the magic, but he's 35 years old. Garrett Temple makes $5 million next season. And then his 2023, 2024 year is not guaranteed. So he's really on the hook for one more year, basically. And then the Brazilian listeners can correct me if I get this wrong, but I think it's Gigi Lozado or Lozada, uh, Lozada. And then also I want a top 10 protected first round pick from the, from the Pelicans. That that's what I want. Um, it's likely it, I, I put 2024 down, but you know, the Pelicans, they got all those picks from Milwaukee from the Drew Holiday trade. Like they've got other stuff going on with other teams. Uh, so it could be this summer. It could be whenever. But I put 2024 down. So I have to include Lazada's $1.7 million or this trade doesn't work. Um, Lazada's 23 is the 35th pick that was actually selected by the Hawks in 2019. And then he was traded, I think, at draft night. But he's this raw Brazilian wing. He's out with a torn meniscus, so he already fits in with our roster. <laughs> but he can't, he's, you know, he's, I think that just happened recently too. So he's, he's out for, for at least the rest of the season. But the Pelicans, even though they're 11 games under 500, they're in 10th place in the West. They're a playing team. So I have this theory that Zion Williamson's actually going to come back sooner rather than later this season. I think it's going to happen. And then David Griffin, who is in a fight to save his job as the GM, you know, getting into the play-in would be huge for him. It'd be huge for former Magic player Willie Green, who's in his first season as head coach. The Pelicans saved $4 million from this, you know, in this trade, and they're going to get massive wing help with Gary. Um, you know, Sadoransky, he's 30 years old, and, and, you know, again, Gary Temple's 35. Both of them have been bad this season for, for the Pelicans. And I'm helping New Orleans get good, and I just want a first-round pick back with, I guess, Lozada could maybe be good one day. Who knows? That's that's my trade offer. To, but if I'm getting rid of Gary Harris, I need a first round pick. I don't care if he's on an expiring deal. This is a completely different situation from Fournier. The Magic actually want to keep Gary Harris. And if Gary wants to be here on a decent enough contract, I would keep him here. So the Magic hold all the power in this situation. Unless Gary Harris wants something else. But yeah, you're, yeah. you're a kind man. You're doing a, a service, a good deed to... Uh, New Orleans in that trade. I'm surprised at the poor level of play from Sadoransky lately. Um, But, you know, productivity means nothing to us. We're trying to accrue draft capital. Um, Garrett Temple would slide into the veteran um, Etuan Moore role to pretend to be hurt and hang out on the bench. And that, you know, I'm sure there'd there'd be value derived there. Um, That's a creative one. I don't hate it. Uh, all right, give me your two, and then I want to go through just a few rumors. Um, but give me give me your last two. Okay, so uh, speaking of receiving a first round pick for Gary Harris, here's what I have: 
uh, Gary Harris, Terrence Ross, and Mo Bamba to the Los Angeles Lakers for Russell Westbrook, <laughs> Kent Bazemore, and a future conveyed first round pick, probably what, 27. Wow. Do you really want Westbrook? Do you really want to do this? Or are you just going you like could, fire you could play him? Well, because we're like we're not we're not going anywhere, right? Like for for the next two years, we're not doing anything. So well, I would hope it's him. only I would hope it's for the next year and two months or whatever. But no, I, it's you're, you you're technically him. not wrong. You could weigh them because how excited would he be to come here unless you roll the ball out and you know let him do what he does, but you're 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 taking a bad contract on for the first round pick it just so happens to be russell westbrook i'm not doing that um and i i obviously i don't think you're doing it either i think you're just you're giving us an option here but that is a horrendous contract first off like bad is like an exact like bad is really understates the situation like he makes more than double what gary harris makes like that's how bad that contract is but he makes um, but I am not, I'm not, I actually like Russell Westbrook. I do. I'm just not getting him now. Sorry. Like it's, but I'm not anti Russell Westbrook. Like I think he's a good player. I, he, you know, he just needs to, de- you know, stick to more of his skill set. And, but I'm not taking minutes away from Fultz, uh, Suggs, or uh, Cole Anthony. I'm not doing that. But um, it is funny that some national folks do think that we would be super, super excited to get Russell Westbrook. Again, I, I would not, not, not now. Like the, the Lakers, it would have to be like in a like a fourteen trade where the Magic get like multiple first round picks somehow that are like decent and like I definitely want Taylor Horton Tucker in that instance. Like I'm take I'm getting THT out of that. Like I like Taylor Horton Tucker, but there's a pride thing I think with this front office. One of those things is, and I'm sure ownership has 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 mentioned this numerous times but we don't need to help the lakers win another championship again like we we don't need to do that they've gotten enough help from us over the years like we we don't need to do that the other thing is we sold the pick that became taylor horton tucker we sold the pick to the lakers on draft night what was it 47th pick i think it was that became taylor horton tucker and i just don't think the magic would go out of their way to make a big like a bunch of trades just to get him back like that's a pride thing i think from a front office perspective i could be wrong but um all right what's the other one you got unless you got a retort right. for me no you're 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 right you're not wrong okay so this one is interesting i'm not sure about the direction of the spurs franchise a lot is going to depend on what they do with their backcourt dejounte right? murray just got named as a as an all all-star as well too so um, as an all-star replacement, along with Lomelo Lom- 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 Ball in the East. So that just happened. Jam- DeJounte Murray is awesome, and he deserves being all-star, and he's an all-star. But continue. Okay. So Thad Young is on a one-year deal there, as you may know. It's a very popular expiring contract in the rumor mill, yes. Uh, they also signed this past offseason uh, often injured Zach Collins. Mm-hmm. I'm only doing this deal if they give us a first-round pick. So Thad Young, Zach Collins, first round pick for Jonathan Isaac. Oh, 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 oh man. This is oh. both teams deciding Woo. that they're they're passing their damaged goods off to the other team, assuming that, you know, they're Zach Collins returned to the court uh this week, last week. Uh 
Magic are deciding that they're going to clear out some space and let Franz operate and whoever, you know, maybe they have zeroed in on who they want to take in the upcoming draft. Maybe San Antonio wants to get off the Zach Collins contract and maybe they see a future with Jonathan Isaac as their uh, star front court player to pair with the backcourt tandem that they have. That's, that's the that's the only thing I can think. Would Popovich retire on the spot if that trade This happened? is also assuming that Popovich <laughs> is retiring soon and we're bringing in the, the conservative star of Texas into San Antonio so for, the, to really to appease the fan base. Yeah. So the Spurs are 20 and 34. They're a game and a half back of the Pelicans for the 10th spot. So they're they're in the hunt. Um, right. but, but this is less for this year and more yeah. for roster construction for the future for, for both teams. Oh, my God. Um, wow. What do you think value-wise? Man, I, I think the Magic are getting a little shortchanged on that one because, like, I don't – is Zach Collins going to become anything? Like, he's, he's more injury-prone than Isaac right now. Like, it's yep. – man. I guess it depends on that first-round pick. Like, which, which – like – I would almost have to have to say that needs to be guaranteed like late lottery or something for me to really even contemplate doing that. Um, Cause I'm, I'm more than happy to trade Isaac, but Oh man, I don't even know if the Spurs do that. Cause again, like, I don't know if they, they want that Isaac heat. Like, I, I don't know, maybe they do, right. but um, you're, you're, you're banking on the Isaac medicals as the Spurs to, to make the trade. Also, uh, you know, assuming that, you've uh, had time with Zach Collins and you're done with your Zach Collins time, man. Just throwing it out there. Yeah. That's, I wouldn't at, in the moment, I wouldn't hate it, but if Isaac starts like going crazy and <laughs> thriving under Popovich, I might, I might hate myself for that, but it, it's, it's a very intriguing trade. I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Also the DeVos family is not accepting that. And I don't think Wealth Hammer are going to do that. I'm just okay. going to put that out there. But all right, um, I will say, speaking of Isaac trades, so look, the only like I could see him being used in a Ben Simmons trade, but we like I think there's there's a mental thing with Ben Simmons that our front office just doesn't want to touch Simmons, and but it would have to require that type of caliber player, I think, for me to really kind of think about getting rid of Isaac because. Whether we like it or not, the front office views Isaac as our crown jewel still right now. Like, I think they view Isaac as our highest potential best player. Like, I really do. Whether that's correct or not, that's their viewpoint. So they're not going to do that type of trade. Um, Again, I don't agree with their viewpoint on Isaac at this point. Like, again, Isaac's basically dead to me until he's he's actually on the court playing. Um, And that's just where I'm at with that. Here's I I know I know we're wrapping up, but here's if you want to do something fun, the Jonathan Isaac, um, the not wedding uh, wedding registry page is uh, available online for his uh, 2021 wedding. Take a look at some of the things. Nothing out, nothing outrageous, nothing crazy, but just uh, peruse the registry and uh, see what he asked for when he got married. Just a fun activity. I haven't looked at it, so I I, I'm kind of horrified, but okay. just a few other kind of quick rumors or stuff I heard or want to hear or whatnot. But um, 
there's the PJ Washington thing that literally just kind of came up yesterday, but I've seen PJ Washington from Obama stuff. I've seen James book Knight get referenced. Charlotte's not trading us Washington or book Knight for Bamba. That's, that's not happening. Bamba's value isn't nearly as good as either of those two guys. I would like PJ Washington very much. Um, uh, James book Knight's proven, proven me wrong. And he looks really good in limited time with, with Charlotte. Uh, they're not Charlotte's in a good spot. They're not trading us from Obama. They'll get their center from somewhere else. They're not trading us Bamba. Um, and then I want to, I, I tried really hard working the trade machine to do like a deal with the warriors that got us back like Moses Moody. And I just couldn't really, I couldn't really come up with something, but I'm just, I'm, I, I'm, we're going to really miss having Moses Moody, uh, you know, on this team somehow. And if, if in hindsight, it, it really would have looked better if the magic took Franz Wagner fifth and then gotten Moody eighth, that, that would have looked really great right about now. But um, that, that's it. That's all I got for, for that. Any, any thoughts for any of that last stuff I mentioned? Uh, I, yeah, I was looking at golden state trades too, and I just don't think there's any movement there either direction. Um, man, that's a, that's a fucking fun team to watch, isn't it? it yeah. They're, uh, they're in a good spot for a title run, especially if Draymond green gets, gets healthy, but good for Otto Porter jr. Man, Otto Porter jr. I knew he was a great signing immediately when golden state got him, And it's, it's, it's great how, how, uh, how high your positivity rating goes when you're not making $28 million. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, all right. R- real quick before we get out of here, over under two and a half deals uh, or tr- two and a half trades made this trade deadline week. I'm going over. I'm going to take the under. I think that there will be two. So I think Bamba and Ross are getting packaged and shipped out together. I think Gary Harris is going out and then, we're doing a trade exemption deal. So that's my three. You think you think each one more stays? I don't know about that. Cause like if, if it's the Sacramento trade, obviously each one goes, but I mean, right now, I mean, each one hasn't been on the floor. Like I don't see a team clamoring for him. Like each one's more of kind of like a salary filler thing, but I think each one stays. I, I mean, I, I have no problem if he goes or stays, but I, I just don't see anyone again, clamoring for his services. Um, but yeah, so what? So you got two. What, what were the two trades for you? I, I, I think that Terrence Ross goes, and I think that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Gary Harris goes too. Okay. All right. Well, we appreciate you listening to another episode. Please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Stroke. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. And with that, take care. Let's go magic.